Good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast presented to you by Blue Water Climate Control with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us on this Tuesday open date for Tennessee. The Volunteers obviously coming off a, another ugly outing to Alabama with a focus on Arkansas ahead. Um, we'll quickly bow tie the Alabama game. Any any further takeaways from that game, good or bad, as you kind of set your sights on what Tennessee's got to work on and, and what they need to focus on moving forward here? Rob, I'll start with you. Any 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 kind of final thoughts or takeaways? I mean, go back and look at the picks from last Friday. I mean, it was pretty much exactly what you and I expected. And I think AP, too, so he tried to throw, throw a bone out there to people that it wouldn't be that bad. Um, just, I mean, like we talked about in the pod after the game, I mean, when it's – I'm stunned that they didn't use it as an opportunity to play more younger kids. And when it's 42 to 10, I don't understand why you're trotting Jared, Grant, Jared back out there. I don't understand why all the freshman receivers aren't playing. Um, you know, that, that that's my biggest takeaway is I was really surprised that I handled the last 18, 19 minutes of that game when you're, when you're behind 42 to 10. Austin, you got any final thoughts, good or bad? No, I mean, like, like, I mean, you know, I, I, I've, I've, everybody knows my piece on the younger players. I, again, I, I understand what Jeremy's saying about they got to earn it. Yeah, they got to earn starts. They got to earn crucial snaps when the game's closed. But you don't have to earn it when you're down three or four scores. Put them out there, see what they can do. Maybe, maybe you find something. Maybe you learn something. You know, I mean. I know it's it's at the high school level, but, you know, listening to Clark Duncan at South Doyle last week talk about, you know, how they kind of found their their running back for the season and just on a jet sweep play against Fulton, he was a receiver. And they just – they gave it to him, and they're like, oh, how about that? And then, you know, the kids ran for over 1,000 yards. Now, I just – why not give those kids some reps and some snaps and just see what they can do? They, they may do nothing, but, again, they may do something. This whole notion that, like, you know, it, like – Coach Pruitt, to me, can't be so narrow-minded in the standpoint of, like, you know, you can't practice – you can't be a poor practice player and be a gamer. Like, that happens. And there are people that practice, like, a million dollars and can't take it to the game field. Like the quarterback. So, I mean, like, you know, I think it works both ways. And, yeah, in, in a perfect world, you've got a guy that works hard on the practice field, does it all the right way, and then balls out on Saturday. But it's not always the case. Yeah, I mean, there, there would be some guys, if you went only on practice field, and I said this earlier, there would be some guys in, in the former era that who were uh, really good football players that made some money on Sundays that wouldn't have played – very much football at the University of Tennessee based on simply their practice, you know, habits or, or their practice play. I, 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 and I agree with you guys on that. And, and uh, we've talked about the young players at nauseum. The other takeaway that up on rewatch, and it wasn't going to be that Tennessee was going to win the game because they weren't. But to, to me, and the quarterback talk dominates this, you know, this team and, and where it's at right now. Their inability to play the ball in the defensive secondary is as a, is as a big of a surprise to me as anything on this team this year. I mean, Kenneth George has dropped three or four interceptions. Uh, Trayvon Flowers, I mean, Mike Jones threw him the ball down the middle of the field early in that game before Alabama had control of the football game. 
he didn't play the ball. He played the receiver. Bryce Thompson turns his hands the wrong way and, and, and doesn't catch a ball that ends up in, in Minchie's hands at the two-yard line. That, that should have been a pick. I mean, Mac Jones should have thrown three interceptions in the first half. Now, would Alabama have lost the game? No. Okay, I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. But for a defense that's got issues, can't rush the passer consistently, they got issues in the middle of the field, when the quarterback throws you the ball, you got to make the play. And Tennessee hasn't had an interception since Theo Jackson in the Missouri game. And their other big interception came from Henry T on, on a pick six in the South Carolina game. I, I'm stunned that they're not playing the ball better and haven't shown better ball skills in, in the back end of the secondary when the ball's been up for grabs and there's been a potential play to, to be made there. That's as big of a surprise to me about this team through five games as anything we've seen. That, 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 that's my big takeaway from it. Cosign on the on the interceptions. That's, I don't have anything else to add other than it is. I mean, Tennessee has left some turnovers out on the field. Well, you know, my other takeaway is is the press conference afterwards. You know, Jeremy clearly didn't like some of the line of questioning. Um, you know, him saying that the the gap is closing. I think in his mind, yeah, the way this team looks versus how it looked when he first got here, yeah, it's absolutely changed. 100%. He's exactly correct. He's 100% correct. Problem is on the scoreboard, it's not changed. So, like, you really – I mean, it's like some of the stuff Butch would say was technically correct, but it's things you can't say. Like, you just can't – I mean, like, nobody wants to hear it. Well, let me play devil's advocate to that, Austin. How should he have answered that question when he was point blank asked, do you feel the gap is closing and why is the gap closing? What I would have said – our has our program made strides since I got here? Absolutely. Do we still have a long way to go? Yes. So on the scoreboard, it may not reflect it, but in, uh, in areas off the field and not, I'm not talking about the classroom or anything like that, like how we, how we prepare, how we work, how we, how we, how we look, all of those hundred percent Tennessee looks a lot better than it did in 2017. Isn't that kind of how he answered it? Uh, he answered it pretty emphatically, like the gap is closing. I, I can assure you. Okay, I got you. Okay. You're saying but, with the tone of it, it's it different. Okay, I got you. And I, and I think in his mind, and I, I mean, I, I think the he couldn't he couldn't answer it this way. But really, to me, I, I, the way that you can tell, and I think the way he's thinking, is that if Tennessee, if Tennessee and Alabama had a JV game where just the freshmen and sophomores played, I do think the gap would look closer, a lot closer. Yeah, I don't disagree with this notion. And I mean, when you look at it, when you look at 2017, 2008, or I'm sorry, 2018, 19, and, and you know, and 20, the NFL draft, Tennessee's had hardly anybody taken at all. And Alabama, I mean, man, look at Missouri and Kentucky are getting a lot more kids drafted than Tennessee are. And, you know, is so. I mean, like, you know, I think that's how he looks at it. It's like, you know, yeah, I mean. Are we still getting hammered? Absolutely. Is is the stat that Josh Ward put out there damning about most 21-point losses through 30 games? Absolutely. But what were we dealing with? What did we have? And, like, it's hard to explain or hard to expect, you know, uh, you know, multiple classes of freshmen to roll in here and just be ready to play. And, I mean, you're starting a Heisman Trophy winner at quarter – contender, excuse me, at quarterback, 
against, and I mean, I'm not trying to disparage the kid, but who else in the SEC would Jarrett start for? Maybe Kentucky if they wanted to play offense differently. Vanderbilt. Vandy. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, Brett, I know we, you mentioned it repeatedly. I most recently remember seeing you talk about it in chat. Quarterback play, man. I mean, it's just a huge, huge part of, of the problems here. Well, and, and the other thing to me, too, is, I mean, like, it, it just – JG's the perfect example of you never know until they get here, until they perform. I know you guys weren't there, but, you know, John Bryce and I were at the time. And if you'd watched Jarrett throw it out there and, and make all those throws on the Bergen Catholic field that day, I don't think anybody would have said he was going to have the career that he's had. I think, you know, he would have, he would have convinced you through that throwing session and just how he handled himself, how he talked, how he walked, that he was going to have a lot more success than he's had. And so you just never know what a kid's going to do when they get to the college game. And, no. and, and, that's, and that's my point on Harrison Bailey is let him have time to mature. You don't want to throw the kid to the wolves. You know, I mean, like, could they get him ready and, you know, let him hand it off like they're doing JG? Absolutely. But I don't know if that does him any good. No, I don't think it does any good. But to, to and this goes back to the point you were making earlier, Austin, and I think it just reinforces your point and, and reinforces Rob's point of if you believe your gap is closing with your younger players, okay, and you have an opportunity to play said younger players in a blowout game. Yeah, why are you not? Why playing? are you not playing those players? And I know that's beating a horse to death. Yeah, and, but, I, and when I say that about Harrison about not throwing to the wolves, I'm talking about to start the game. Right, absolutely. When you're down, when you're down four scores in the third quarter, put the kid in. Like yeah, let know. him go. Or, well, or if you're not gonna play him, play Mal or play whoever. Don't wait till four minutes to go. Right. It just made no sense. It made no sense for two weeks in a row. And technically, they put you know those kids in last week with eight minutes to go, and they went down the field, and then. Kentucky literally ran the clock out the last six minutes, um, you know, but I mean, like there's no reason why they shouldn't be getting a lot more, you know, reps like Danico Slaughter. Danico Slaughter starts the first game of the year, plays almost the entire first game. And then he's not really been heard from again, except for just some kind of spot duty, you know, in blowouts. Yeah. I mean, he's played at the end of the game when the game's out of reach is basically the only time he's played since that. So I, I think we all agree, and I think everybody listening to the podcast who, you know, who's a Tennessee fan believes that those guys should play and should have played more. So what for, for this team as they go through this open date, okay, I'm not asking you what – I'm not going to ask you what Jeremy Pruitt's going to do. What would you do with this team in this open date? What, what are your biggest concerns that you think need to be addressed or you can't address? How would you approach – this team with this open date, knowing how big this Arkansas game is for them, the back half of this season, Austin, I'll start with you. Well, I would, you know, I would work the guys, the younger guys that you feel like that you can get on the field more, you know, if that's, you know, just Jalen Hyatt, it's just Jalen Hyatt. If you don't feel like those other guys can help you or they're just not ready enough to play meaningful snaps, then, then whatever. I, you know, I, but to me, you've got to continue to work the quarterback position, you know, maybe give Brian Maurer a small package, you know, for the Arkansas game. You know, if you're, if you're going to start JG, bring Brian Maurer in and like kind of a change of pace type of thing. 
where he comes in, runs some, you know, some zone read, does some stuff in the in the in the in the running game, maybe, you know, catch Arkansas off guard a little bit with some with some tempo stuff. Um, you know, defensively, I mean, like I just work on tackling the entire practice. I mean, like they just can't tackle. You know, I don't know if I do anything else but tackle, tackle circuits the entire two hours. Any doubt that Jared doesn't start the the Arkansas game? I would say it's 95%. I wouldn't say 100 because anytime you go into a bye week, there's always a chance that, you know, the, the staff meets and says, you know, hey, I know he didn't really do anything last week to lose it, but, you know, we probably need to do it going a different direction. I, but I still think that that's the guy. I would say 95% chance he starts against Arkansas. Rob, what would you focus on? I would focus on cleaning up the secondary and figuring out why you can't cover the middle of the field. And, you know, I, I think the linebackers probably have a hand in that too, but I would, I would be looking hard at drilling that. And I mean, I would do something different. I really would. I don't, I don't know what that is, but I would, I mean, I'm not saying it's Harrison Bailey. I'm not saying it's Bauer, but I would, I mean, I, I think playing JG the rest of the way is worst case is the difference between going four and six and three and seven. And I just don't see. I would. I'd be. I'd be. This is a weird year. It's an asterisk year. You know how many bowl games are there even going to be if you do manage to get? Are there bowl game opportunities for teams out there that are five and five? I'm. I'm. I'm starting to think about long term when things get back to normal. 2021. You're going to have every kid on your team for the most part is going to be somebody that you recruited. You know, except for, you know, who knows who comes back for for, you know, a free year. But uh, I'm I'm moving on. You know, for for, for me, I, I, I'm on the defensive side of the ball. Certainly, safety is a concern. I want to see more McDonald, Austin. You know, he's made a little noise the last two Sunday night scrimmages. Whatever that means, what would like to you know see how far you can push that one over the next weekend. You know, week plus to to see if he can help you back there. And then, I mean, I'm. I'm repping, I'm repping Bryson Eason, and I'm repping Morvin Joseph, and and whoever I think can help me rush the quarterback off the edge in any way, capability, any possibility. I'm repping, I'm repping those guys like crazy because the secondary has a lot of issues. Those issues are only going to continue to be magnified if you can't, if you can't get any pressure at all. I've never seen. In a Power Five college game, a guy have as much time to throw the football as Mike Jones had to throw the football on Saturday. I mean, there wasn't anybody around a soul around him. Other Roman Harrison got there one time, I think, and that and and that's it. I mean, there was nothing else there. So I am I am specializing any of those guys who I think might be able to rush the quarterback on third down. Again, the three of us who are not athletic at all, who have no arm at all may not have completed a pass playing quarterback on Saturday for Alabama, but I don't think we would have got hit. <laughs> I mean, like, it was, I've never seen a cleaner pocket. I mean, they, they tried to bring pressure, and Alabama picked up wherever they brought pressure from. I mean, it was impressive. Yeah. It was impressive by Alabama and not very good by Tennessee, who, who you knew had questions about rushing the quarterback all season. But to have four sacks in the opener and only have six in the last four games, Rob, that's that's a bad number, and that's trending in the wrong direction. Oh, yeah. You're going to be a defense that improves. And it's, it, 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 
just exacerbates the problems you've got in covering people. I mean, you know, a good pass rush can cover up some warts in the secondary, and you know, Tennessee's warts are getting exposed by that. And um, and this is a, a small thing. This is not anywhere nearly as big an issue as quarterback or or safety play. I'd lead the I'd lead the open week and head to Arkansas. Jimmy Holiday would have a wildcat package. I don't care if it's three plays. You know, run right, run right, run left, play action pass. I mean, I would. I think that kid's pretty dynamic, and I would, I would be looking for a simple way to figure out how to get him. You know, three or four plays a game. Well, I think you got to be creative offensively. I mean, you're going to have to figure out a way to to find some dynamics, particularly on third down, if you don't have any confidence in your quarterback being able to drop back and throw a ball to move the chicks to move the, st- the sticks for you. Uh, which clearly they didn't on Saturday. That's why they ran so many running plays on third and seven the way they did. They're going to have to to let him throw it, whoever the quarterback is, let them throw it, or they're going to have to be creative as, as hell on third and in those situations if they're going to improve a dreadful third down conversion rate. Let me ask you about the offensive line, then we'll tidy up a couple things here and get out of here. Jerome Carvin Austin should be healthier, should be available to play against Arkansas. Jameer Johnson should be healthier, although I thought he played pretty well coming back off the injury. Wanya Morris should be healthier as well. What What do you think – and I think Spragans can play. What do you think this offensive line looks like? Do they go back to Carvin at guard and Mays at tackle? Has Darnell played well enough that you keep him at tackle and you split Carvin and, and Mays there? What do you think this line's going to look like, and how big is this week for that competition? Well – if you'd asked me last week, I would have told you that they would for sure go like to the K to tackle um, and then Carvin or, or Spragans at guard. Darnell kind of kind of opened the door for him to earn more playing time. I, I you know, He played pretty solid last week. And, you know, Tennessee's offensive line on the whole played pretty solid last week. So, you know, after kind of getting beat up, you know, the previous, you know, or two, the two weeks before against Georgia and then you know, Tennessee's offensive line didn't play the bad against Kentucky. They just – couldn't couldn't throw it and you know couldn't score uh the offensive line couldn't throw it for the quarterback yeah <laughs> yeah so you know i i i think that you know Cade's going to have a spot on the offensive line regardless um you know i would look for jameer johnson to get the start at left tackle if it you know if, as long as he's healthy to go i would venture to say they would go Cade right tackle and carbon at right guard if everybody's healthy you know what I would do, and I don't. I don't know if they they would even look at this, but if I'm really trying to get my five best guys on the field, I I look at Kate at center. I really would. I mean, he's played the, he's played there before at Georgia. I mean, he might not be as good at center as he is at, at say guard or tackle, but I would bet you he's better than Brandon Kelly. Or, or go Carbon at center, which is something which you know that's what had been their longtime backup plan to Brandon Kennedy. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the two, 100% agree. I, I, Brandon Kennedy, not, he's a nice kid and an okay player, but if you're truly trying to get your best five on the field, I don't disagree with Rob at all. Kennedy certainly struggles with physicality and and, and, and struggles against big guys, you know, big heavy guys in there. I, I think that's been, you know, certainly shown time and time uh, again. And I think some of that shifting stuff has caused him some problems because we've seen – you know, the illegal snap stuff that, that has taken place uh, there for sure. All right, so plenty of things going on, on the football front. Jeremy Pruitt meets the media on Wednesday. Players meet the media on Wednesday. Tennessee practicing three days this week. Um, and then the, the weekend off, we'll see how that, appro- how that is handled from a 
you know, if players handle themselves the right way when they get away and, and get gone with all the, you know, the, the COVID stuff that remains out there. And then obviously they'll continue their preparations for Arkansas and Ernest starting next week, the Razorbacks taking on Texas A&M. couple quick recruiting things. Then we'll hit a couple of hoop things out the door here. Um, Austin TID scheduled to, scheduled to do something on Friday. Could change. We all know that. If he does go through something on Friday – I don't know where it's going to be, but not Tennessee. You, you think it would be an upset if it's Tennessee, if, it, if he does I, something this early? Really Tennessee. Okay. They have no D-line coach, uh, you know. Right. I, I, think, I think that affects him. Um, I don't think it affects Taiwan Malone, um, but I think it affects the TID. And I think he'd been kind of leaning in Georgia for a while. I know he's played up South Carolina for the last week, but, it, it you know, Tennessee just – they had all the momentum in the summer – he didn't pull the trigger. He pushed it back. They they kept the momentum even through all that. But once the season got here, the momentum kind of fell by the wayside. That was that one has felt like Georgia before they made before Jeremy Pruitt made a defensive line coaching change, right? Yeah, Georgia was trending that way. All right, Nyland Green was in Knoxville uh, to check out the Vols. Still no timetable there. That one's still. I I think I bet you he does something before Thanksgiving. Okay. That's the feel I have is he does something before Thanksgiving. Um, again, it's recruiting. It's always subject to change. Um, but that's just kind of the feel I've got by talking to a few people. The kid don't say a whole lot. It's Georgia and Tennessee. I, if you're asking me, I would lean Georgia, but that's with no firsthand knowledge of, of Nylon. He just doesn't talk. And when he does talk, he doesn't say a whole lot. And if you go back and, you know, if you listen to any interview that the kid does, and you ask him about, a, you know, talk to me about, you know, Georgia. I mean, Kirby Smart, what more can you say? Well, you could say a lot more. <laughs> you know, exactly. he does play new. What do you like about Tennessee? I mean, Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Hansley, what more can you say? You could say a lot more. <laughs> I, you know, that, that that's just kind of what he does. So, um, he doesn't talk a whole lot. So, like I said, I would lean Georgia, but, you know, that, you know, that that's more of a guess than it is anything else. Everybody seems everybody who's committed seems pretty solid right now, right? So, so how hard is the challenge going to be for this staff to hold this class together? They just got to win. They, you know, you go out and you go out and you win at Arkansas, and the ship steadies a little bit, and the waters aren't as rough. You come home for Texas A and M. At that point, you know, you kind of just start, you know, figuring it out. You know, you either win or you don't. You know, but I mean, if you lose at Arkansas, then Katie bar the door because. You know, it could get ugly, ugly, ugly. All right. Let's uh, quickly on the hoops front here, Rob. The bubble the bubble deal in Orlando seems to be out um, from from all reports out there. Certainly feels like getting a non-conference basketball schedule together is as hard of a task as anybody's got going on in college basketball right now. What's, what do you, what's your guess on what Tennessee, you know, maybe can or can't do with this non, non-conference schedule? No, it's going to be a challenge, man. Um I mean, they're, they're still going to play Gonzaga in, unless something really changes. I mean, Rick and Mark Few have, have, have agreed on that. They want to play that game. Elsewhere, I mean, how, how much sense does it make to be buying games? I mean, even if you're just paying somebody 50 grand to come in here, you're losing money. I mean, if you had 15% capacity, you're losing money. I mean, I, and, you know, I think it's going to be tough to come up with a non-conference schedule. I'd say, except for, you know, I don't know this because everything is so fluid, but I wouldn't be surprised if outside of Gonzaga, Cincinnati coming in here, that, 
you know, Tennessee plays just a handful of non-conference games in the SEC schedule. I do think that that playing a, a double round robin is on the table for the SEC. They've got the early start. I think they, you know, had to move some things around, but I think that's the possibility. I just, um, it's, it's going to be tough to play, you know, 10, 12 non-conference games. I don't see that as being realistic at all. Yeah. Cause I mean, with the bubble thing out, if they're not going to do it at that big a scale, I don't see how any individual school is going to try to put a bubble together well, I'd, to play I'd, a weekend or anything like that. Right. Well, I do think Tennessee is going to try to, what's, what's the new, new, new phrase, MTE multi-team event. I do think Tennessee is trying to put one together in, in Knoxville that'll, you know, have like four, four teams and, and you'll get you can get three games out of that. Will it be a Bearden High School Rocky Top League? What, what, what we going on? <laughs> but but uh, I would I would expect to to see them try to try to make that happen where you play three games and maybe three days. You know, not not necessarily a tournament, but you just everybody plays each other. Because um, I I think I think Rick is being aggressive about trying to trying to play as much as possible. I mean, and I think part of that is because he's he feels like he's got a pretty good basketball team, so he's trying to. Uh, make it as normal as possible and get them as ready as possible before conference play starts. Well, we know he loves to play a difficult non-conference. I mean, he likes the non-conference schedule as much as he likes the conference schedule because he loves playing those teams, those tournament-type teams, particularly when he thinks he's got one of those caliber teams that to get them ready for, for later in the year. So that's not a surprise that he would be aggressive there. In, any Rob, before we, before we get out the door, in, any, any truth to the rumor that he's reached out to Wade Houston and or Kevin O'Neill Talk to them about coaching in front of uh, 50 people at TBA. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That's actually, I heard that. that's, that's actually, that's actually pretty good, Austin. I, I give you, I give you credit for that one. I like, I like that one uh, because they certainly uh, know how to coach in front of uh, a light crowd in Thompson Bowling Arena for sure. And hey, let me say this on the way out the door too: shame on the SEC, shame on the SEC for for finding Lane Kiffin twenty five thousand dollars for him venting frustration on Twitter on a call that they admit was a blown call and a call that they admit the review replay official did not handle the right way. So where, if you're going to find the coach for venting his frustration, where's the fine in the SEC? Are they, are, are they suspending the replay official or are they changing re- how they do replays? Are they finding somebody there? Shame on them for finding Lane Kiffin for telling everybody that the SEC made a mistake. Yeah, when you make Lane Kiffin look like a victim, you yeah. have really you you're you're really incompetent. Well, and you know, just the SEC just it's like they just do these things because you know they 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 gotta have the stroke of power. They, you know, Lane's right, but hey, we're gonna find you. Hey, you know, Cade. You're going to be eligible, but not till after the first game. So you're going to have to sit out for one week. I mean, like all all the decisions are just just they're really comical and cartoonish to me. Um, but what about Auburn? I mean, Auburn has now benefited from three different games where the officials have botched calls. Well, two of them were direct. I mean, they lose the game directly. They out, they'd Kentucky be one in four. You know, but two of those games were direct losses. Yeah, they'd be one and four. Well, was, that was the biggest surprise about the Ole Miss replay is that it didn't benefit Alabama anyway that I could tell. <laughs> and on that note, we'll head out the door on the, on this uh, Blue Water Climate Control Ballquest.com podcast. Again, if you're in, in the need and in the market for a repair or you have issues with your 
uh, HVAC system. Check out our friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Find out all the information you, you need to know about them at their website, bluewaterclimatecontrol.com, or you can visit them on Twitter at bluehto underscore climate. Um, you can give them a call at 865-299-2290. You can book an appointment that way. You can book an appointment online. They'll send out a expert to look at your system, not a salesperson, to tell you exactly what you need and what you don't need to make sure that your system is up and running uh, the way it needs to be throughout this fall and upcoming winter gear. That's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody.